This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you have joined us. Next week, state lawmakers go back to Lansing after a two-week break for deer hunting season and Thanksgiving. They return to an ever more deeply divided environment than when they left the Capitol earlier this month. That's partly after state Senate Majority Leader called Governor Gretchen Whitmer and legislative Democrats crazy using an expletive that we really should not repeat here on the radio. He did that in front of a group of Republicans at Hillsdale College. Senator Mike Shirky has since apologized for the comment and says he regrets it. But what's the prospect of getting anything of substance done in that kind of political climate before the end of the year? And does this mark a more acrimonious relationship between the new governor and the new legislature? Here to help us sort all of that out is State Senator Mallory McMorrow. She is a Democrat from Royal Oak. She represents the 13th Senate District and recently wrote an op-ed in Crane's Detroit Business titled, It's Time for Smarter Incentives. In Michigan, we're going to talk about that as well. But Senator McMorrow, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you. Um, let's start with uh, with this whole idea of what Mike Shirky said and what your reaction was to it. Yeah, my reaction, I, I saw it on Thursday, the story hit, and I was absolutely floored. It was so disrespectful. It was so inappropriate. Um, and, you know, it went further to say that uh, the governor has the Democratic caucuses, quote unquote, locked up and that we sit around waiting for her to call us to do this or that, um, which is just so far from the truth. So in response, you know, I posted I've introduced 12 bills, none of which have gotten a hearing yet. Uh, we've held 22 constituent hours in the district. I committed to the first two months of my job, because I'm new to the legislature, saying yes to everything. And I was working 14-hour days, seven days a week. So the idea that we're doing nothing is just a trickle down from the dialogue we hear from the president, frankly, that we're, quote unquote, do nothing Democrats mm. um, in different language. And it, it is beyond frustrating. So, so some people have said these comments were sexist, that Mike Shirky wouldn't have said them if the governor were a man, and that that part of the point here was diminishing the governor because she's a woman. Do you do you take his comments that way? Yeah, we, we've seen a threat of that um, and something that both Shirky and, and a number of other members of that caucus have started saying is, is my governor, right? She refers to him as my governor um, versus the governor. And I actually sent him an email um, earlier this year to say, hey, you may not realize this, but this comes across as as very possessive. It's pretty condescending. And as somebody who, and I told him this, as a sexual assault survivor, that comes across in a way that you may not realize um, is putting her down. When there is one governor, there isn't my governor or your governor, she's the governor of, of the state of Michigan. And it's kind of a way of trying to imply a solidarity that I'm not sure he follows through on. I think if he were a different kind of politician, if somebody who had worked in a more cooperative manner, that might seem actually endearing or or a gesture toward collaboration. But but given the record, I, I, I think it's kind of difficult to take him at face value. Yeah, and it, it's something that early on um, during the state of the state, the governor wore a dress that got a lot of commentary. And in response... Um, Speaker Chaffield actually said, you know, stood up for, quote unquote, my governor and said, she's the governor. You should 
be more respectful. It shouldn't be about what she wore. And in that context and being so early on, you know, I, I applauded that message. Um, but since then, what that means has changed significantly. Mm. Mm. Uh, so let's talk about the effect that this might have on the ability to get things done between now and the end of the year. You guys will go back to Lansing next week. There's a lot on the agenda that's undone, including lots of wrangling over over budget issues, which continues. But is this is this a sign that we are not going to see an awful lot of cooperation? Yeah, I, I don't get the sense um, that the majority leader wants to work together, unfortunately. Um, we've put a lot on the table, and I think that what we have to grapple with is it's no longer one-party rule in the state of Michigan. We are in divided government, and there's two ways that can go. We can either be collaborative and meet in the middle, or we gridlock. And that is a choice that the majority party has the decision to make. They can choose to work with us on things or they can choose to gridlock on things. And, and, and that has been frustrating to see that that's the choice. When voters voted overwhelmingly for the governor, um, I flipped a Senate district against an incumbent and voters sent a message they wanted a different approach. So trying to do the same thing as usual, it just doesn't work. So, so before we turn to this other subject of tax incentives, which you've written an op-ed about and, and really want to drill down on, I, I wonder what you think the governor's approach to this has, has, has done. What has she achieved? A lot of people have been very critical of her approach, especially to the budget, the, the way in which she tried to push back against Republicans who wouldn't go along with some of the things that she wanted. Does she have to rethink her strategy as well here? You know, I think all of us do. I, and I will say that my MO moving in, especially as a new member, was I spent time getting to know everybody on the other side of the aisle. I scheduled meetings with my committee chairs one on one just to start to build relationships. Um, and I think that's what the governor did early on as well. It was this feeling of compromise and working together and let's all meet in the middle. Um, and that's been abused frankly. So, you know, I, I don't blame her. We're all learning as we go into our new jobs. Um, and the approach has to change because we've tried, you know, working together and, and that hasn't worked. Uh, my guest is State Senator Mallory, Mallory McMorrow. She's a Democrat from Royal Oak. She represents the 13th Senate District. And she recently wrote an op-ed in Crane's Detroit Business that's titled, It's Time for Smarter Incentives here in Michigan. Uh, if you have a question for the senator, you want to talk about the relationships in Lansing between Republicans and Democrats. Are they getting better? Are they getting worse? Are they pointing toward a productive end of the legislative year? Or are they pointing toward more stalemate? Uh, also, give us a call and talk about what you think about the kinds of incentives we offer here in the state of Michigan for businesses to locate here. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Mallory, in your op-ed, you say Michigan is missing the mark on attracting businesses. Why do you believe that's true? Yeah, so we have a number of kind of top-down tax incentives uh, that are coming down in the state, and, and we're seeing this on the national level as well. You know, we saw the news from the New York Times last weekend that FedEx received 
uh, a massive tax break to the tune of $1.6 billion and paid effectively net zero in taxes, and the government now owes them money. Uh, simultaneously, we're seeing these in Michigan, where the idea is if we give a company a tax break, they will either relocate to the state or expand in the state, and new jobs will be created, and that will be economic development. But simultaneously, we're dead last in the country for increases to education funding. Revenue sharing to our local communities is down. Obviously, we haven't fixed the roads. We have a lead water issue that we have to address. Um, so it, it can't just be for the top, and we haven't seen the trickle-down work. So my argument is I don't think these are going away anytime soon. They're very politically popular, right? If you're a legislator, you can point to one of these programs and say, I voted for this. It created 1,000 jobs. Therefore, I am a job creator. Mm. Um, so it's, it's going to be a challenge to push back against that. And I don't think it's as clean to say our best economic development policy is investing in schools and roads and water and, and local communities, although I believe that it is. But if you look at what we put forward for Amazon versus Northern Virginia, we were ready to offer about $4 billion worth of incentives, whereas Virginia, Northern Virginia, offered about $800 million in incentives, which is still not a drop in the bucket by mm -hmm. any means, but also over a billion dollars to expand Virginia Tech in Northern Virginia and a few hundred million dollars in improvements to infrastructure and mass transit. So my argument is if we're going to go after these types of programs, let's use them as a spark to invest in ourselves simultaneously, where we can actually spend less and get more. So it's even the most fiscally responsible approach as well. So we're not just trying to go after these things from the top down. So Governor Snyder was, when he was elected at least, was one of the harshest critics of all of the incentives that we offered to, to companies to to come here and said that he wanted to zero them out, that he was not going to approach it that way. He talked a lot about this concept of economic gardening, making sure that businesses that are already here have opportunities to grow and expand and, and do all those things. He had a heck of a time pursuing that consistently, partially because it's so much part of the culture in Lansing. I mean, there is, there is an assumption that this is the way things work. And even worse, other states are competing with us in that realm. So uh, stepping away from incentives would have been some sort of unilateral disarmament. Uh, uh, talk about why you think we maybe have a different kind of opportunity to have a different conversation about that now than we had over the last eight years, where I think the the results are are very, very mixed. Right. And I think you're starting to see that, you know, this is when you talk about tax incentives, it's such a wonky issue. But it is now a part of the public dialogue. You watch any of the presidential debates and we talk about, quote unquote, corporate welfare and the one percent versus the 99 percent. So I think there is a much broader understanding of what these issues mean. Um, and there's also interest on both sides of the aisle. So I have some colleagues on uh, the Republican side of the aisle who who similarly disagree with these types of incentives, maybe for slightly different reasons than I do, mm -hmm. but see that they are ineffective. So I think there's an opportunity now, and, and it is hard in Lansing. I have companies come into my office and threaten that they will leave the state if I don't give them a tax break. Mm. That is how it works. Um, but we're starting to get enough people in Lansing who haven't done this their entire career, so I think might be willing to stand up and call their bluff. Um, and we have some some kind of unholy alliances that we're starting to form uh, where we might be able to actually push back. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that citizens in Michigan don't quite understand is 
how much of these incentives we have given away already and how much they impact the current budget. In other words, that we start off with so much money going to to, to breaks and incentives right. that uh, by the time we start talking about spending money on services, right. we, we have so much less than we should. Yeah, and it's death by a thousand cuts. Um, Tim Bartik from the Upjohn Institute has some fantastic research on this, and I think it, it is this miss spread idea that it's free money, right? Good Jobs for Michigan is a perfect example of it, where we're not giving a company money. We're allowing them to keep income taxes from employees if they create enough, quote unquote, good jobs. Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, there are 300 new jobs created. Um, The claim is that's new money that we wouldn't have had elsewhere. But if we're capturing those employees' income taxes, those people are still sending their kids to our schools, they're still using our roads, they're still using our public services and EMS and fire, which means that the current residents are subsidizing those new jobs. And if we're not raising taxes elsewhere to pay for these subsidies, that's a cut in public services. There's only two way to pay for these things. Hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Leslie in Hazel Park. Leslie. Quickly, uh, we've got about a minute left, but I wanted to get you in here. Yes. Um, I was curious to see if um, there's anything on the docket uh, for uh, retirees, because I was, frankly, I was flabbergasted when after 30 plus years of uh, working for a, uh, uh, my employer and now I'm and getting taxed on all that money. And now in retirement, they're tax retaxing mm-hmm. that much same darn money yeah. that I worked so hard for, and and it just infuriates me. Yeah, and Leslie, I think it should be um, uh, illegal. Leslie, I don't I don't want to cut you off, but I but we're running out of time. Uh, sure. Mallory, that was a very controversial move by the Snyder administration to tax Absolutely. pensions. Is there any discussion about changing it? There is. Um, Honestly, I don't think it's going to happen this year. It was in the governor's initial budget proposal, but because things have stalled out and we are now just arguing over basics, um, that's something that that I believe in. I know the governor believes in and many people believe in reversing that. um, And hopefully that will happen in in a future session. Okay. Mallory McMorrow, state senator from Royal Oak, who represents the 13th Senate District. Great to have you here with us. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for coming by. All right. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. We will talk about the role of community spaces in cities like Centerline and beyond. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.